Welcome to the Rock of Grace Cortland Campus Podcast, where we aim to lead people like you to follow Jesus together. We have a new podcast each week with a message that is prepared with you in mind. So here's this week's message. I want to open up and share a story with you guys. And I read this earlier this week as we were kind of preparing this message. And I really, uh, I think it resonates so well with what we've been talking about, how we can launch into the promises that God has for us. So here's how it goes. It says, here is a story of a man who had a great opportunity that he missed. His friend took him for a ride one day, way out in the country. They drove off on the main road and drove through groves of trees to a large, uninhabited expanse of land. A few horses were grazing, and a couple of old shacks remained. The friend, Walter, stopped the car, he got out, and he started to describe with great vividness the wonderful things he was going to build. And he wanted his friend, Arthur, to buy some of the land surrounding his project to get in on the ground floor. But Arthur thought to himself, who in the world is going to drive 25 miles for this crazy project? The logistics of the venture are staggering. And so Walter explained to his friend Arthur, I can handle the main project myself, but it will take all my money. But the land bordering it, where we're standing now, will in just a couple years be jammed with hotels and restaurants and convention halls to accommodate the people who will come to spend their entire vacation here at my park. He continued, I want you to have the first chance at this surrounding acreage, because in the next five years, it will increase in value several hundred times. What could I say? I knew he was wrong. Arthur tells the story today. I knew that he had let his dream get the best of his common sense. So I mumbled something about a tight money situation and promised that I would look into the whole thing a little later on. Later on will be too late, Walter cautioned, as they walked back to their car. He said, you'd better move on it right now. So Art Linkletter turned down the opportunity to buy up all the land that surrounds what was to become Disneyland. His friend Walt Disney tried to talk him into it, but Art thought he was crazy. And we see that in some books and some memoirs. And we see this opportunity. Like, imagine, first off, being friends with Walt Disney before he was really Walt Disney. Like, before people really understood some of the significance of this. But then have that opportunity to buy the land surrounding Disneyland, the value, the growth, the missed opportunity that was had. Like, can you imagine the disappointment? I would be really mad because that, that investment would be able to take care of so many things, wouldn't have a financial need in the world to have that freedom to kind of just do whatever you want with that. How many guys would just think that's fantastic? I know I'd be all for that. I'd be doing a lot of things um, with that. So now I'm not going to be telling you today that you have a business venture that you've been sitting on and you need to move on it right now. If God's saying that, God's saying that, but I'm not saying that to you. That is not what today's uh, sermon is about. Although I did hear that the housing market is not going to crash, so it's just going to continue going up. So if you're looking, it's probably not a bad idea to, to move forward on that. 
But see, the truth is, we've all missed out on opportunities. Whether they're a big one, one you regret, or something small that, in retrospect, is very minor. Could have changed things, sure. Was it something drastic? Was it something significant? Possibly not. It's also uh, everybody's favorite thing. Has anybody ever sold, uh, store, or sold things on Facebook Marketplace? You know what I'm talking about. If you sold things, and five seconds after you post it, you're getting messages saying, is this still available? And I know my wife's doing that. She's selling some of the stuff that we had that we moved with us that we didn't need anymore. Just kind of one of those things where just finally decluttering some of the stuff. And we post some stuff every now and then, and almost instantly, she's getting messages saying, is this still available? It's like, it's literally five seconds ago. Yes, yes, this is still available because people don't want to miss out on these opportunities. A couple years ago, there was a, a phrase that was going around uh, called FOMO. Uh, we don't really hear that, uh, just like kind of everything else slang-wise that moves. Right now, it's like kind of like three months in, three months out. Uh, but FOMO stands fear of missing out. It's kind of like the similar thing where you know you have these opportunities. You ever have a pressure to step into an opportunity, to say yes to an opportunity? Maybe you said yes. Maybe you said no. Maybe you felt like it was a good idea you didn't. Maybe on other sides, you've kind of said, you know what? I really did miss out on an opportunity. But as we continue this series and we look at the opportunities that Jesus has for us, we have to take a moment to step back and remember that two weeks ago we looked at taking our foot off that brake, taking our foot off the things. Because sometimes we're just saying, God, I'm not moving forward. I'm fine where I'm at. And then last week we kind of built on that, talking about how Sometimes we can't see what is just a couple cars up in front of us. We can't see right past us. If you're driving later today around 7 p.m., you probably are going to be saying that exact same thing because we're going to get hit with a major snowstorm, right? And you have to trust that the road is in front of you. I don't know if you've ever done driving where you turn off your headlights at night. You know, that's something you do uh, when you're not thinking. But uh, I can't say I've not done it. Sorry, Mom. Um, but we've all been there. I'm, I'm here today. So uh, we all worked out for the better, I guess. But see, sometimes we need to know that when we trust in God, we say this is the path in front of us. We have to hit go. We have to take our foot and we have to move it onto that acceleration pedal. We have to make sure that we're putting it in the position and taking action to move forward. Because I can say I trust God, but my actions don't show it. Maybe you've done that. I've done that for sure. We're saying, God, I trust you wholeheartedly. And then when it comes time to show it, I just kind of sit back and say, well, God, I'm just going to wait for you. You're gonna, you, you take that first move. God, I just want you to show me. I'm just going to sit back here and maybe go along for the ride. If this is what you really want, it's going to happen, right? But the truth is sometimes we really need to be that person to just take that foot and hit that acceleration pedal so we can move forward because we must press on with confidence in God. We must be able to press on knowing and trusting that the path that is before us that God has in front of us is there, and that it is good, because God knows how to give good gifts. And if I really am saying, I'm taking my foot off the brake because, God, I want to see you move in my life, and I trust that even though I can't see a couple cars in front of me, I know that you can see the full destination in front. So I'm ready to move forward with what you have in store for me. So I think of an incredible story in the Old Testament with Caleb and the spies that Moses had sent 
into the promised land. If you guys have your Bibles, you can get ready and open up to Numbers chapter 13. I'm not going to read it right now, but just in a moment. See, the backstory, uh, if you're a Bible uh, reader, somebody who grew up in church, you're probably familiar. Uh, the Israelites were in captivity. They were slaves in Egypt. And we have the whole story with Moses, and we have the story with the plagues, and how he said, let my people go. And eventually, 10 times later, the people were let go, and they were able to leave. You know, we had the whole uh, sea incident with uh, eating up all the Egyptians. The people kept going. Yet for some reason, the Israelites continued to doubt God, even though like incredible miracle after incredible miracle takes place. Sometimes I feel like that's us too, where we see miracles take place in front of us, where we see these obvious things. It's like, hey, somebody's pointing out saying, God is moving right here. Do you see it? And then even after God moves in our lives, we continue to doubt him. We need, we need to not be like the Israelites in that way. We need to continue to press on with confidence. So we have the Israelites, we have Moses, and we have the land that was promised to them, a continuation of the promise to Abraham, that this is going to continue to move things forward. So Moses sends Caleb, Joshua, and a total of 12 spies into this land to kind of scope things out. So that's where we pick up today in Numbers chapter 13. We're going to start with verse 26. I'm going to have it up on the screen for you. There we go. So it says, the men went back to Moses, Aaron, and the entire Israelite community in the wilderness of Paran at Kadesh. They brought back a report for them and for the whole community, and they showed them the fruit of the land. They reported to Moses, we went into the land where you sent us, and indeed it is flowing with milk and honey. And here is some of its fruit. However, the people living in the land are so, are, they're strong, and their cities are large and fortified. We also saw the descendants of Anak there. See, the Amalekites are living in the land of Negev. The Hevites, Jebusites, Amorites live in the hill country, and the Canaanites live by the sea and along the Jordan. Then Caleb quieted the people in the presence of Moses and said, let's go up now and take possession of the land because we can certainly conquer it. But the men who had gone up with him responded, we can't attack the people because they are stronger than we are. So they gave a negative report to the Israelites about the land that they had scouted. And the land that we had passed through to explore is one that devours its inhabitants. And all the people we saw in it are men of great size. So Caleb, he's coming back. He says, guys, we can take this land. And the Israelites are looking at him and they're saying, are you dumb? Like, do you not hear what you're saying? We cannot do it. The Israelites became upset. They became fearful. The Bible says that they cried about it all night. They're big babies. They, they heard about this. 12 people come back and one of them's like, dude, we can do this. And they cried about it. The Bible actually uses the word wept. So I think that's sometimes even more intense than just crying. Crying is, you know, a guy a little bit of tears. Wept is like borderline temper tantrum from a toddler, where it's just like, why are you crying? This is ridiculous. Pay attention. But they wept, crying all night, being fearful of something that they knew God had promised to them, saying, they actually said this, if only we had died in Egypt or in the wilderness. They would have rather died in captivity or along the journey that, mind you, God did miracle after miracle for them than take 
the land because the people were bigger than them. Can you imagine? Can you believe this moment? I would have been so angry if I were Caleb. I don't know if you've ever been somebody where you're trying to encourage everybody, saying, guys, come on, we can do this. This is awesome. Look at this. Let's go. And then everybody else is a Debbie Downer. Like, no, there's no way. No, you're, you're ridiculous. This is not going to work. I would be so upset. But see, church, when we operate in fear, we delay the promises of God. I'm going to say that again because it's so good and it's behind me and it's on the screen. See, when we operate in fear, we delay the promises of God. When we spend time worrying and sitting still, letting fear cripple us, we are delaying the promises that God has set before us. These Israelites knew the promise. They've seen miracle after miracle how God has moved them into safety from captivity. Yet when they saw that somebody was bigger than them, they cowered in fear. And they were delaying the promises that God had for them because they let fear control them. See, church, when God promises something to you, we don't need to act in fear. We don't need to worry about it. You know, we talked about sometimes where we try to be in control of situations, but the truth is we know that God is really the one in front. And if I can't see two, three cars in front of us, but I'm saying I trust in God, I still need to be able to be like Caleb and say, guys, let's go. We can take them. But the Israelites chose that other direction. They chose to operate in fear, delaying the promise that God had for them. And church, we need to make sure that we don't fall into the same trap. Because I know the promises God has given me. You might know the promises that God has given you. But when we operate in fear, when we act in a way that we say, God, I don't actually trust that this is going to happen, we begin to delay what God has in store for us. See, maybe you've backed out of an opportunity because of cold feet. Or maybe you've made a rash decision because of fear of what might happen. You know, I think about uh, rash decisions for those of us in the room who are alive of conscious mind, um, the turn of the millennia, if you remember 1999 to 2000, there was a major fear that the world was just going to shut down. There was advertisements from Best Buy and all of these tech companies saying you need to shut your computer off before midnight on January 1st, 2000, because these devices were made in the 1900s. We don't know what's going to happen as soon as it goes to a new year. Yeah, we were worried about dumb stuff then, and uh, I don't know why. But uh, we were absolutely freaking out when we talked about like, making a rash decision. Like, people were making de- financial decisions because we didn't know what was going to happen as soon as we hit the year 2000. Was Jesus coming back? Um, he didn't come back that year, as we all know. That's why we're here. But we continued to make some decisions because of fear of what was going to happen. Because how you respond to fear can dictate how you lean into the opportunities that God has laid out before you. How we rely on fear, how we live with fear, how we continue to let fear be a part of us, and how we choose to respond to it will dictate the way we step forward or step back from these opportunities that God has for us. So we pick up in Numbers chapter 14 with Caleb and Joshua. And we see what comes of the Israelites. And chances are you might be familiar with the story if you've been a Bible reader. 
So in chapter 14, verses 6 through 9, it says, Joshua, son of Nun, and Caleb, son of Jephunneh, blah, blah, and, uh, who were among us, who, those who scouted out the land, they tore their clothes, and they said to the entire Israelite community, the land we passed through and explored is an extremely good land. And if the Lord is pleased with us, he will bring us into this land, a land flowing with milk and honey, and give it to us. Only don't rebel against the Lord, and don't be afraid of the people of that land, for we will devour them. Their protection has been removed from them, and the Lord is with us. Don't be afraid of them. Can you imagine continuing to say this to a group of people that just cried about something all night? Like, you ever have that argument that just continues to happen? over and over and over again. You feel like, why are you so thick-skulled? Like, why can't you get this through your head? What is going on? Like, come on, guys. Like, Larry says here, like, their protection has been removed from them. This is the land that God has promised us. Why are you acting in fear? So I have to ask us the same question. If we know the promises that God has made for you and your family and your household, why are we not stepping into them? Why are we not walking with the confidence, knowing that God has laid out our path, even then when I can't see what's happening, to know that I can trust in him, that I can take my foot and I can put it onto that acceleration pedal to say, God, I trust you. Let me skip down to verse 30 through 33, and it says, I swear that none of you will enter the land I promised to settle you in, except Caleb and Joshua. And I will bring your children, whom you said would become plunder into the land you rejected, and they will enjoy it. But as for you, your corpses will fall in this wilderness. Getting a little extreme here. And it says, your children will be shepherds in the wilderness for 40 years and bear the penalty for your acts of unfaithfulness until all corpses lie scattered in the wilderness. See, we can wander or we can advance. We can wander around wondering, God, what are you doing? Where is this thing? What's happening right now? Or we can advance into the promises that he has laid out before us, that we can spend time in our word. We can spend time in prayer. We can continue to see what he has laid out and say, God, I'm stepping into this. I'm moving into what you have in store for us. See, these Israelites, they knew that promise, right? We already established that. They knew that, yet they acted in fear. They said, there's no way. Even after Joshua and Caleb continued to tell them, guys, listen, like your protection is no more. We can take them. I know they're bigger, but God is with us. And our God is bigger than any situation, is bigger than any circumstance, and certainly bigger than any individual who's standing in our way from the promises that God has put before us. See, sometimes as Christians, we begin to see people in our way. We begin to see a circumstance that we feel like is going to be blocking us from the promises that he has set before us. And we see that and we say, God, there's no way. I need this thing to be gone. I'm just going to wait this out. But sometimes God is saying, in faith, take that step forward. Put your foot on that gas pedal and move forward and say, you trust me? Do you trust me? You know, I think of that time where Jesus asked Peter three times, very profound, simple, deep question saying, Simon Peter, do you love me? And, you know, he got angry by the third time, as any of us would, saying, why do you keep asking me the same question? I already told you, yes. But it's the same thing. What if God is asking us, do you trust me? You say, yes, Lord, I trust you. No, 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 no. Do you trust me? Well, of course, God. 
course I trust you. No. Do you trust me? And when our answer is emphatically a yes, we can't just sit idle. We can't just say, yeah, God, I trust you, and I'm just going to wait things out. We say, God, I'm going to put my foot to that gas pedal. I'm going to move into this promise that you have for me. Because we could be like Caleb, who has full knowledge of the promise that God gave them. And he also sees the obstacles in front of him. He also sees what is there that is preventing them, but knows and trusts that God has laid out the path perfectly before them, that God is bigger than any circumstance. Earlier, as I was preparing, I had the song, God is Bigger Than the Boogeyman, if you're a big uh, VeggieTales fan uh, from late 90s and early 2000s, where we talk about all these things because it's true, though. While it's a silly song, God is bigger than every single circumstance and situation that we face in our lives. But we cannot wander and accidentally advance. We cannot wander and find ourselves in the right spot. We either choose as Christians to wander or we choose to advance into what God has before us. So my question to you today is this. What is the opportunity that God has placed in front of you? I don't know that answer for you. I know that answer for myself. But my question for you is take take like five seconds. What's that opportunity that God has in place in front of you? See, Paul explains this in 1 Corinthians when he mentions that it's good to be single. See, there's a time in our lives where all of us have been single. Some are in a season of singleness. And there's things where sometimes when God has a promise for us, it's easier to say yes because there's less things. You know, the other week when we talked about the three different men that say, God, I'm going to follow you, but first let me take care of these things. First, let me take care of my family. First, let me take care of my father. I need to go back and say bye to people. See, when we're in a season of singleness, we have the opportunity to say yes to the promises that God has without having to worry about anything else, without having to have anything. Not that my wife or my family is a burden, but they're people I have to take into consideration before I can say yes to what God has in store for me. And there's a benefit to that. And that season, don't miss out on that season if you're in a place, this is God saying go and do something. Because right now, if God were to tell me, go and be a missionary to Guam, I'd have a lot harder time physically making that transition than I would have before I was married, before I had a child. So we have these moments where we need to make sure that God is asking us of something because we can choose to delay it. But when we delay the promises, when we delay the things that God is asking of us, one, we're sinning because if God is asking us to do something, sin is anything we do or say that is against God's will. But second... If I'm delaying it, one day that opportunity might not be there. Or the freedom I have today to say yes might not be the same freedom I have. might be something that prevents me from saying yes to what God has in store. See, for me, I knew that God called me to be a pastor since I was a preteen. So I knew when I went to seminary, I was going to be a pastor. That fed into all the decisions that I kind of made, including who I was going to marry and what my family dynamics were going to look like. Because imagine now, in my 30s with a wife and a kid, suddenly asking, saying, God, it's time for a transition. It's time for a complete change in my life, saying, hey, you're going to be a pastor now. 
Imagine making that career change. Some of you guys have made a, a massive career change at not the college age of your life. And you know sometimes the challenges that kind of come along with that. It's similar. It's not saying it's a bad thing. It's not saying that these opportunities are not of God. But we have these moments where sometimes if God's giving us the opportunity now, it's going to be easier to say yes today than it is tomorrow. So we learned about that with the men that said, God, or Jesus, I'm going to follow you, but first I need to take care of these things so it's more convenient. There's no better time to say yes to the opportunity God has presented before you than there is right now, because you don't know what tomorrow holds. And I know I want to step into every promise that he has prepared for me. See, Revelations chapter 3, verses 8 says, Look, I have placed before you an open door that no one can close because you have but little power. Yet you have kept my word and you have not denied my name. See, Jesus is the great and the greatest giver of opportunity. And the scripture talks about Jesus placing an open door before us. Jesus is the greatest giver of opportunity. And with him and in him, we continue to have that greatest opportunity, that we have to choose to follow him, to step into eternal life. What better opportunity that we should ever see? Because we won't ever see one that's better. But outside of that, on this earth, we continue to have opportunity after opportunity that's going to be from him where we must continue to pull our feet off of that brake pedal, where we can trust the path that he has set in front of us, that we can put our foot on that gas pedal and launch into the promises that he has prepared for us. But see, God isn't asking each of us to go everywhere, but he is pointing each of us to go in a focused direction where we need to be sensitive to saying, God, where are you sending me? Who are you sending me to? And I think of this great example with the disciples. We see this in Matthew chapter 10. We're going to start with verses 1 through 15. And after this, I'm going to ask Jeremiah if he can come on up and he can uh, play the guitar for us. But it picks up in verse 1, saying, Summoning his 12 disciples, he gave them authority over unclean spirits to drive them out and to heal every disease and sickness. These are the names of the 12 apostles. First, Simon, who is called Peter, and Andrew, his brother. James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother. Philip and Bartholomew. Thomas and Matthew, the tax collector. James, the son of Alphaeus and Thaddeus. Simon the zealot, and Judas Iscariot, who also betrayed him. See, Jesus sent out these 12 after giving them instructions. Don't take the road that leads to the Gentiles, and don't enter any Samaritan town. Instead, go to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And as you go, proclaim, the kingdom of heaven has come near. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those with leprosy, drive out demons. Freely you receive, freely give. Don't acquire gold, silver, or copper for your money belts. Don't take a traveling bag for the road or an extra cert, sandals, or a staff for the worker there, or for the worker is worthy of his food. And when you enter any town or village, find out who is worthy and stay there until you leave. Greet a household when you enter it. And if the household is worthy, let your peace be on it. But if it is unworthy, let your peace return to you. And if anyone does not welcome you or listen to your words, shake the dust off your feet when you leave that house or town. Because truly I tell you, it will be more tolerable on the day of judgment for the land of Sodom and Gomorrah than for that town. Jesus, Jeremiah comes on up. 
I want us to really understand that we are blessed to launch into God's promises. See, these disciples, they were given very specific instruction, right? God was saying, this is where I want you to go. This is who I want you to preach to. He didn't say you had to get up and go far. He said, go where you already are. Preach to the people that you know. And so often that's what he's saying to us. Because yeah, it's good we have missions trips as church, right? And I I can't wait for everything to settle down with COVID and travel that we can start going to other places and sending teams there. But sometimes I think as a church, as Christians, not necessarily Rock of Grace, we get so caught up in going somewhere far. We get that Instagram post, we get that picture, we get that feel-good moment that we forget that God is asking us to do the same thing here. That God is asking us to do the same thing in the community that he has placed us in, the people that we work with, the friends that we have, the places that we go. You know, it was just last week, uh, some of us went out after church and we grabbed food after checking out like three different restaurants. We finally found one that was open. And, you know, I've only been out here for probably 13 months now, and I ran into somebody that I've been getting to know from a different uh, restaurant. She was my barista, because I can't get to know my hair cutter, so I get to know my barista. And uh, she made a transition uh, where she was working. And I was sitting next to Adam, if you know Adam and Julie, and they're like, man, you just know everybody. You run into people. You just run into a place. Because I believe that when God calls you somewhere, when God plants you somewhere, You need to get to know the people because how can we share Christ if we got nobody to share Christ with? And it is my conviction that as a pastor, I can't ask any person in this room, any person that is listening online to get to know your neighbor, to share your faith if I can't exemplify it, if I can't do that with my own life. And that is a conviction that I have that I want to make sure I'm getting to know the people of this community by name, to know the things that I can pray for them with. Because I know that God has asked me, saying, here, for this time and this season, you are ministering to the people of Trumbull County, Ohio. He might be saying the same to you. And ministering doesn't mean you're up here, you've got a microphone, you're a Bible, you're a preacher. But instead means tangibly showing the love of Christ. Sharing the testimonies of what God has done in your life. Letting God move through you, through the way that you show love to the people around you. Because you know people I don't. And I know people you don't. And I may be the only Bible, the only chance of seeing Jesus this person may have. But I like that the scripture is also clear saying, listen, when people reject it, don't spend time wasting your time if they're going to reject it. See, sometimes we so desperately want to see people come to know Christ, which is good, but we're going to spend time with somebody who's not ready or not willing to hear it. Meanwhile, there's a whole town of people that are here ready to see it, ready to experience him, and ready to say yes to following him. See, Revelation chapter 12, verse 11 says, They conquered him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony, for they did not love their lives to the point of death. And see, this is talking about believers to Satan. He's talking about the significance of the word of your testimony. The words that we share of how God has moved in our lives. And I know I've talked to so many of you and I I got glimpses into so many of your testimonies. Some more than others. And I really believe that each one of us is here, not just physically here this morning, 
but here on earth, here in Cortland, here in Trumbull County, Ohio, for a reason. Because God's not done with you yet. The promises that God has laid out before you, they're not done. They're not gone. So we need to take our foot off that brake. We need to move it over. We need to trust the path in front of us. We need to put our foot down and move forward into these promises. So who was God calling you to minister to? See, as a church, part of the way we do this, you probably received one of these on our way, on your way in, is we believe that God wants us to help plant and start 10 churches throughout this entire county. Because there are hundreds of thousands of people in this county alone that need Jesus. If you didn't grab one, you can grab one on your way out. That kind of explains just a little bit of what we want to see happen, of how we want to see God move inside of these communities that he has placed us into. See, right now it started in Kinsman, Ohio. And then this church was planted in 2019. And then this month, we started Warren Campus. There's seven more that are coming. And we're praying that God sends to us people that say, I want to start a church. So they're not all campuses. We've got our campuses. After this, we want to see independent churches continue to grow and launch and be supported by friends and family like us. Where we can see places down in like Girard. We can see places go all the way close up to near, near Mesopotamia. Where we can see people come to know Christ. Because this county needs Jesus. And that's where God is calling us to be. That we can see our friends, our family, our neighbors coming to know Christ. And that starts with us being launched into our homes, into our communities, into our workplaces. Where we're launching into the promises that God has in store for you. And that he has in store for me. And that, has, and that he has in store for all of us as a church. So take one of these home if you don't have one pray over. And if you're not sure, saying, God, who are you asking me to talk to? Who are you asking me to be? How are you asking me to do this? See, Matthew 28, 19, you might be familiar. It's often called the Great Commission. Where God says, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And what that means is simply we share our faith and we lead people to know Christ more and more every day. So here's what I want to do to close out today. I want to pray a prayer of blessing for you, over you, with you. And this includes me. If you don't know the promises God has in store for you, I want to encourage you and challenge you. Spend time in genuine prayer this week. Spend time genuinely opening up the word and reading it. Because God has a promise for you. So God, I, I lift up each person who is in this room this morning for each person that is watching online live or watching online later. That you empower each of us to see the promises that you have in store. That we can move forward. And we can take our foot and put it on that gas pedal to saying, God, we trust in you as an individual, as a family, as a church. God, allow us to not be like the Israelites, but to be like Caleb. That we can launch into your promises with confidence. That we can see the things that are of you. 
and that when something's in our way, that we can continue to press on, knowing that you are bigger than any circumstance, any situation, any individual that is getting in the way of your promises for us. Because God, we want to see your name glorified in our homes, in our workplaces, in Cortland, in Howland, in Warren, in Trumbull, in Kinsman. God, allow us to step into your promises with no fear, but confidence and trust in you. Allow us to see these things. Allow us to see the opportunities you have before us. Bless the conversations we have leaving here and throughout this week so that we don't just talk about launching into your promises, but that we could truly take that step. We could truly take that moment to launch into everything you have in store for us. God, I ask that you're with each person here that is dealing with sickness or each person that is dealing with something such as COVID at home or for friends or family who are dealing with something in the hospital. God, that you continue to be with them and watch over them and allow us to be your servants, allow us to be your messengers, allow us to humbly come before you as we seek to bring you praises. Until we come back together next week as the church, keep us healthy and safe. And in your name we pray. Everybody say, amen, amen. Well, I hope you guys have a very blessed Sunday. Hope you all uh, stocked up on everything before the snowstorm tonight. Uh, if not, you could join all the hundreds of thousands of people at the stores. But uh, I hope you all have a very great week, and I will see you guys next Sunday. God bless you. Thanks for joining us. If this message impacted you or you would like to get in contact with us, you can visit us at www.rockofgrace.org. Also, be sure to share this message with a friend or subscribe so you never miss a message. God bless.